The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. That's right, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lifford here, along with my co-host Joe Truini, and we've got a lot of things lined up for you. I mean, during this hour, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, including unsticking locks. If you have a lock that just won't work and it worked before, there's a lot of ways that you can uh, get that back working like it should so that you have the security that a lock affords you. We'll tell you the best way to do that. Also, grout. We hear a lot of things about ugly you know, stained grout. What can you do to clean it and keep it looking good? We'll give you some advice on that. Also, we shared with you a few weeks ago a real unique, simple solution on how to prevent a throw rug from slipping. That could be oh, a, yeah. a bad thing when you slip down. We have a um, homeowner that heard part of that simple solution and wanted us to tell the rest. We'll do that in just a few minutes. And of course, we're going to tackle a lot of your emails that you sent in. And Joe, what about a simple solution coming up in a bit? Well, I've been doing a lot of interior trim work and I'm using my pneumatic nailer. So I thought I'd share some simple solutions on air compressor tips. More and more DIYers, Danny, are using air-powered tools, pneumatic tools. So I thought I'd share a couple of tips on how to make sure that air compressor works efficiently and lasts almost forever. That sounds good. That'll be coming up in just a little bit and a lot of other things that we're going to share with you. And But right now, we want to get to the hotline. We've had a lot of calls that came in. You can call us anytime at 800 946 4420. We're going to tackle a few of those calls right now. Hey, Danny. Um, interested in uh, direction for finding a contractor who can put in a front porch uh, uh, posts and railings that are made of wood with uh, vinyl. Getting somebody qualified to do that. Alrighty. Well, um, I'll tell you, you know, that is a very common request for someone that is a remodeling contractor. Remodeling right, contractors yeah. deal with a lot of rotten wood, and most of them are kind of up to date on all of the new vinyl and composite type products. So my recommendation would you to call your local home builders association. Home builders have um, chapters all over the country, everywhere. It's a very large organization, and they have a remodelers council at almost every one of these. With that, you'll have a number of remodeling contractors. So you could just give them a call and say, hey, could you recommend two or three remodeling contractors that, um, you know, does a lot of work and they're in, our, in good standing with your organization? That way you have uh, three real qualified people to come out and tell them exactly what you want, get the prices from each and decide on which one you feel the most comfortable with. I think that would be the way that I would um, recommend going about that. Let's get another call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Hey, y'all. Love watching your show on Sunday morning. My question is about the brand of countertop or finishing kit y'all use. On one of your shows, Chelsea used the Dice Lux Rock kit. At Home Depot, this thing is over $200. They also have the Dice Spreadstone kit. It runs about 100 less than the Lux Rock. Just wondering, uh, do you and Chelsea recommend the Spreadstone version, or do I need to step it up to the more expensive Lux Rock kit? Keep up all the great work, y'all. All righty. Well, That's good. a good well, we question. Appreciate- Appreciate the call. Um, well, I'll tell you what you um, 
You know, th- there is a difference, and of course, you can see the difference by going to DeichCoatings.com, D-A-I-C-H Coatings.com, and uh, I've used both of them. Um, the the Spreadstone um, is, uh, yes, it is less expensive, and it uh, has fewer steps to it. You know, you don't have quite as many steps as you do with the newer Luxrog, but the finish is different. I mean, if you want a real more of a granite look, you probably want to go with that Lux Rock. Now, it's only available in five colors, whereas the Spreadstone um, has about 10 colors to choose from. So uh, there is a difference. Um, the, the difference in the cost is pretty minimal when you think about the effect that it'll have on your countertop. Um, but I think you can make your uh, another decision, you know, a good decision and feel good about it by going to DeitchCoatings.com and see some of the things they have. Let's grab another call on the today's Homeowner Hotline. Well, I very much enjoy your show, and I had a tip for Connie, who just called in. Uh, I once had, a, like, a little D-lamb on, on the veneer on a cabinet, and I went to the cabinet maker, and what he told me to do was, he says, buy a good iron, uh, put it on medium heat, and run it over uh, continuously over the D-lamb area. He says what it'll do is it'll heat up the glue underneath, and then uh, it'll re-adhere to uh, the undersurface. Well, I did that, and it worked perfect. It was it, it and the key is to have it on medium heat. We'll take a little bit, and um, and just um, uh, well, I can't I can't say any more than that. It it just worked so so well and. Uh, after that, I kept the iron, and I had a few other areas that did the same, and I uh, uh, delammed also, and I did the same thing, and then they've uh, they've all stayed down for years now. So, I guess sometimes when they put that on originally, it might not be warm enough for all the glue to uh, to melt down and adhere to the to the the uh, cabinet surface. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to give us a call and telling us something that's worked well for you. We love that, by the way. We'd love for you anytime that you're listening and can help um, one of our members of the Today's Homeowner community out. We appreciate that. And uh, this is a good example of that. Joe, you remember that that call not long ago from Connie. Um, Why why don't you kind of back back up and take us through that a little bit? Yeah, Connie had a cabinet that um, the edges of it, the veneer was was. pulling off and she was wondering what she could do to fix it. And what this tip is referring to, he was using the word delam, meaning delaminated that, but, but I think what he was talking about was probably was plastic laminate because that tip does work with plastic laminate. And the reason it works is that plastic laminate is held in place, not with wood glue, but with contact cement. That's right. And the substrate is usually particle board. And when you're applying um, the uh, glue, the contact cement to the, particle board, it absorbs so much of it that some of it doesn't get left on the surface. And of course, it's called contact cement because you put it on both surfaces, the back of the laminate and on the edge of the countertop. And so when you run over, and because so much gets absorbed, that joint fail often fails. But in any case, when you run the iron over it, what you're doing is you're reheating, as he mentioned, that um, contact cement. And if you rub it down, after you warm it up, rub it down with a stick or something like that, it'll really adhere pretty well and you can get years out of it. That would not work with wood glue. If that was wood glue holding a wood edge on it, you'd have to re-glue it. But either way, that's a good tip to remember if you have plastic laminate. 
Yeah, again, we appreciate you taking the time to call in the hotline. Again, that hotline number is 800-946-4420, or you can always send us an email, todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We got an email here from Carl in New Jersey. He said, I'd like to create some storage space in our attic. The problem is the only access into the attic is a small hatchway in the hallway ceiling. How difficult is it to install one of those fold-down attic ladders? I'm pretty handy, but have no idea how to enlarge the the hatchway to accommodate the ladder. Can you explain the basic installation steps? Well, it's not that hard, really. I mean, you know, it's uh, anytime you're working on a ceiling area, you know, it's harder because you've got to get up on a ladder or something yep. you know, to, to be there. Uh, the good news, when you're in a hallway area, you can span the load from one wall to the next, and it's usually only three to four feet. And the key thing there is basic framing. You really want to know um, framing well enough so that when you're cutting some of the ceiling joists that you'll need to cut to enlarge it for the attic stairs, you'll need to make sure that it will hold the weight and that you're not compromising the framing. So if you're not comfortable with the framing and know exactly the basics of it, I would have a remodeling contractor take care of that for you, something that they've done many, many times. But when you're buying the ladder, buy a good one. And I'll tell you what I've been buying over the last few years that I have here in my home is uh, an aluminum one. And it, yeah, um, that's right. it it, it's just so much better than the rickety old wood ones and, you know, have more confidence and the the, the weight capacity on it is um, is better because a lot of times when you're going up and down the stairs, you're carrying something, whether it's bringing the Christmas um, decorations down or putting something up there, you need to make sure. And also, you need more than nails. You have to use screws and lag bolts to lag bolt that thing in to make sure that it will stay in place when you're using it. Um, that's another example of an email that came in at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more home improvement information, today's homeowner radio style. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. Joe and I are so proud of the wonderful stations that are nice enough to carry the Today's Homeowner radio show each and every week. Over 350 of them, and we're getting more every single week. This one is way up in Anchorage, Alaska. They've been with us quite a while. It is KFQD 103.7 FM and 750 AM. Hello to everybody up in the Alaska area. I actually have a gentleman that works with us, has been been with us for a while, that uh, lived right outside Anchorage, and he tells us all about some of the you know the weather stories up there and all kinds of things and uh, Joe you and I were talking earlier um, I've been there uh, one time but uh, one of the things that uh, that you still would like to do I would yeah and my my daughter is heading up there she's taking a cruise and you had mentioned that that's probably the best way to see Alaska, certainly the first time, I guess, the first time you visit is take one of those cruises. I think you take it out of Seattle, right? Uh, Seattle or Vancouver, I've heard Vancouver, of, yeah. you know, from, from both. But uh, boy, I'll tell you, you know how those cruises are. You're cruising at night and, you know, right. you're not really looking at anything. And then you wake up in the morning and the, the ship is still and you open the windows and you go, whoa, 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 yeah. wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're right beside a iceberg, you know, wow. and the, the things are, you know, whatever that term is where it 
um, splits off and some of it falls in the water and yeah, splashes cle- and cleaves off. I think. Yeah, something yeah. Like that. And yeah. and but the thing, the the magnitude and the massiveness of everything, like you see that thing fall in and it creates a splash like a a, a, a full school bus fell in the water. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. incredible the nature and all the things around there. So uh, yeah, we had a, we had a good time up there and uh, and it's certainly some very isolated areas that those cruise ships can get to because the water's so deep. And, That's right. Um, yeah. You know, so and but I wouldn't recommend the swimming. No, the swimming's not good here at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's get to some emails right now. We have one from Jay in Louisiana. It says I have three glass sliding windows. L- looking at the pictures, I think they means doors. Yeah, I think we those cannot are patio unlock doors, them yes. from the outside. We've lived in the house since two thousand and two. We suspect that paint got sprayed into the locks. We could unlock and lock them up until about five years ago. Is there something we can spray into the locks to get them to work again? The locking mechanism on a glass sliding door is pretty simple. It's just two screws. I would recommend taking the screws out and be careful to pay attention exactly how everything came together. Grab your phone and take a picture if you need to of it as you're taking it apart. And then once you get it apart, you'll probably see th- something is gunked up in there. Now, don't grab that that spray that everybody uses that is um, a multi-purpose spray, um, WD-40. That WD-40 is great for a lot of things, not for lock mechanisms. You need to go with graphite. Little bitty tube of graphite will last you forever, and putting that on all of the working parts of the lock should free that up and make it work better than it ever has uh, before. That's probably one of the biggest things I see people doing wrong, Joe, wanting just to spray stuff into the lock. And yes, it'll help it work right then, but later on, you're going to have a mess on your hands. Yeah, the reason we don't recommend it is because you spray in oil or any kind of lubricant and it's going to attract more dust and dirt and then hold it in there and you're only going to worsen the problem. Yeah, in this case, I think what I might try though, Danny, is before you take the whole thing apart, I don't know if this would work, but certainly worth trying, is squirt in some of the graphite, which again, as Danny said, is just a powder, and then take the key and work it in and out. Now, he sent us a photograph, and the key looks like it's about halfway in, so that's kind of good. Now, we're assuming that it is indeed paint. I mean, if it's not the paint and the lock has failed, then, you know, he would have to probably replace it. But I would take, put in some graphite, push the key in a little bit to pull it out, just work it in and out, keep putting in some graphite, and to see if you can eventually cut through a little bit of paint. I mean, if it is paint, how much could have gotten in that little key slot? Because you might be able to just, you know, wear off that little bit of paint that's causing the problem. Um, And you might want to at least try that before dismantling the whole thing. And I'll tell you something else that you can do. You can put a big wooden handle on it. It looks really nice, and it gives you a lot more... um, you know, leverage when you're opening and closing it. So that could be an upgrade if you're replacing the lock. Consider replacing one similar to this, but with a large wooden handle on it. It sure makes it a lot easier to open and close that. Hey, let me get another email, and I'll remind you that you can send us one anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. All right, this one came from Andrea in uh, Reading, uh, Pennsylvania. Hi, Danny. We recently had our master bath completely remodeled. We replaced the old single sink vanity with a new five-foot-long double sink vanity. However, we immediately notice that when we turn off the water at the sinks, there's a gurgling sound as the water drains out. At first, I thought one of the sink drains might be clogged, but we hear the gurgling sound from the uh, from each sink. So what's causing the sound? How can we stop it? Thank you 
you so much, Joe. It sounds like uh, we're starving it. It needs a little air in there, yeah. wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, she said it, it, she doesn't think it's clogged because you're hearing it from both sinks. But um, ordinarily, when you have two sinks in a vanity, the two sinks are joined to one pipe that goes into the wall. There aren't two drain pipes. So there could be a clog maybe further down the line. But I suspect, as you do, Danny, that's probably a venting problem. And the simplest way to, to solve this problem, and plumbers do it all the time, is there's a, a small fitting called um, an air admittance valve. And it does exactly that. It's a valve that admits air into the system so it can drain. Without air, you know, you're going to have this. It'll drain eventually, but you can hear that gurgling sound. So um, I guess if you're skilled, if you're, you're a, 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 you know, experienced DIYer, you could probably do this because I assume this is plastic pipe. So you'd cut in the drain pipe, you cut out a small piece, and you'd slip in with couplings this air admittance valve um, into the drain pipe. And this goes inside the vanity, so you wouldn't see it underneath the countertop. And that would allow just enough air in there that would prevent this from happening. So that's I, I I suspect it is a venting problem, and that's what I would do to solve it. Yeah, I hear a lot of plumbers calling it an island vent because oh, you know many times when you have a right. sink in in the kitchen in the island, you normally you know can't have that that going up, and you um you know some of the codes uh, play into that. Most most municipalities and codes are allowing the island vent. Some uh, still um, are holding off on that. So you might want to check that, but I believe that will solve that problem. Here's another um, email from Judith in Iowa. Boy, we've got a lot of great listeners there in the state of Iowa. This one is my, uh, see, our 100-year-old home still has its original plaster walls, which we love, except how do you hang pictures on this plaster? Whenever I drive in a nail, it always manages to knock a huge hole in the wall. Yeah, you know, a huge it, it, hole? It, I hope she's hitting the nail, not the wall. I know, I know. We have to concentrate on that. Um, well, you know, um, you know, plaster walls um, are great. They're um, kind of, you know, old-fashioned, of course, now. Very rarely are they, um, you know, installed in a home very much. But what would you recommend on that, Joe? I'll tell you, some of the command yeah. hooks with the adhesive, depending on how oh, heavy right. something yeah. is, a lot of the, the, the adhesive type of hooks like that um, are pretty interesting. They work pretty well. And also the old Hercules hooks, I've used those yeah. quite a Slip bit those that, in. Yeah. that have those things. But uh, what else would you recommend yeah. for Judith? Yeah, those 3M command, when they first came out, had to be 15 years ago, maybe longer. I, I was like questioning, like, how does that work exactly? But they've been around 15 or 20 years and they have a wide range of hooks and stickers. You know, so they must work. I've never actually used them, to tell you the truth, but they, apparently they work. Just make sure you clean the surface and dry it really well before you stick this thing on. But the secret to um, to a plaster wall is don't drive nails in. You have to drill a hole and use a screw of some sort or a fastener of some sort. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to um, drill or if you want to attempt tapping a nail in, what you do is you put like painter's tape on the wall first, then drill through it or try to tap a nail. But again, I would recommend drilling through it. What that does is that helps control any splintering and chipping in the plaster itself, which is pretty hard. Um, and I would recommend using some kind of hollow wall faster. My favorite are made by a company called um, Mechanical Plastics Corporation. They make a line called Toggler. There's a whole line of them, so you, you could try one of those. Snap Toggles is one of my favorite. Um, but anyway, so that's what you would have to do is, you know, not hammer a nail in, but drill a hole and use a hollow wall fastener. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, you can, uh, there's a great article online at todayshomeowner.com. Just go to the website and in the search engine there, put in how to hang anything on any wall. And a very, very popular article that where we explore every kind of surface that you can imagine and the right fastener. Again, todayshomeowner.com, you'll find the answer to that. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, grout. I mean, boy, grout can get so dirty and ugly. What can you do to clean it? right the first time and to keep it looking good we'll explore all of that when we come back you're listening to today's homeowner radio today's homeowner is brought to you by tight bond the pros advantage Always glad to be with you each and every week here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We're going to keep rolling. Go right back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline. You can call it right now, 800-946-4420. That's exactly what Connie did from Kansas. Um, Connie, welcome to the show, and tell us what's going on around your house there. Thank you. Um, I had a new floor put in back in October. Had grout put down. The grout is kind of a silver-gray color. and in parts of the floor now, it has discolored to uh, there's some white places and there's some real dark places that almost look black. I've tried to clean it. I don't know what caused it, and I'm trying to fix it because I don't like the way it looks. Okay. All right. Well, Joe, do you think maybe that grout was not mixed thoroughly enough and it just took a little while for it to show up the lack of mixing? Or what else could be happening to Connie's floor? It could be that, or it could maybe it was never sealed. Uh, Connie, do you know, did you hire a contractor to do this, or did you do it yourself? No, we had a, chiro- a, chiro- a chiropractor. A contractor. <laughs> There's the problem. <laughs> well, if you hire a chiropractor, that could be the issue, yeah. Um, <laughs> the problem. We had a contractor do it, and he said it did not need to be sealed. Well, that is true in some cases. There are some grouts, some new grouts that they say you don't have to seal them. Um, But either way, to tell you the truth, whether it's he was correct and used the correct grout or he just used the incorrect grout and you should have sealed it, over time, you know, this just happens because grout is extremely porous, even with a good sealer on it. Okay, so so what do you do now? That's the issue. Um, The only way that I know to lighten dark grout like that is with a diluted bleach mixture and you could try oxygen bleach which comes in a powder form but to tell you the truth this might be a job for chlorine bleach because it's a little stronger Um, but what's really important and this is something you could do yourself it's very easy to do Um, it's really important to mix it's a pretty um, light um, mixture of of bleach it's only one third cup of bleach into one gallon of water because if you if it's too strong the bleach itself, and you never use it straight out of the bottle, it could actually um, eat away at the grout. So you never want to do that. But anyway, so you mix one third cup of bleach, one gallon of water, mix it really well, and then scrub the grout joints. Um, you can use an old toothbrush, something like that. Now, just be aware, since it's chlorine bleach, you know, you don't want to get on anything that might bleach the color out, you know, your your clothes or a towel nearby or anything like that. So you just scrub, and I would do a little few sections, you know, a smaller section at a time, maybe one or two square feet at a time. Um, let it sit for five or 10 minutes and then clean it off, you know, rinse it with some clear water. Um, that's about the best you can do. And you'll see, it'll, it'll look pretty, uh, it'll start lightening up, lightening up pretty quickly. If you need to do a second 
application of bleach, you can. Then again, rinse it with clear water. And then once it's completely dry, then you really do have to apply a clear silicone sealer. You can buy grout sealer. And I usually just use a narrow artist brush and get down on your hands and knees and I just brush it right in. That's about a quick away. It seems like it would take forever, but it, that goes pretty quickly. By the way, how large are these tiles on the floor? Uh, they are... Approximately. Ron, Ron, how big are our tiles? How big are these tiles? They're one by twos. One by twos. Oh, I'll, my husband is much smarter than I am. Yeah, <laughs> one one by two. We're talking about one inch by two inch one, or one, one foot, foot by two? two. Uh-huh. One by two foot. Oh, good. Well, that means you have a lot fewer grout joints than if it was like a mosaic. So that that, that would go pretty quickly. And that was tech power grout that they used. Okay. Well, as I said, at this point, you know, it's stained for whatever reason. So, and that's, and, and it's almost impossible to keep, you, you may have to repeat this every few years, depending on you know, how well you seal it, but that's about the best you can do at this point, since it's already been stained dark. Well, the thing of it is, is that um, after they put it in, uh, about a week after I set the stool, and then about two or three weeks after that, uh, we had a new onyx. Uh, laboratory put in, of course, it doesn't have an overflow in it. And anyway, I flooded the bathroom with water and I vacuumed it all up. And then it seemed like, uh, especially around the stool, which makes sense, right. it just kind of kept getting darker and darker. Yeah. I was at the point right now, I thought about cutting part of it out and just regrout the top of it. Well, that that would be a last resort, and I think I would try the cleaning it first, certainly, before I tried removing any grout. Okay, well, I'll right. take the shot at her. All right. All right. Okay, well, get, get busy, Ron. It's a third cup to a gallon, is that right? Correct. One-third cup bleach to one gallon of water. Okay, and then seal and, it with silicone? Silicone, uh-huh. yeah. If you just go and buy the best one you can get, the best, because they're relatively, relatively affordable no matter what, but the, you want clear silicone grout sealer okay well all we appreciate right. all your help thank you're you. welcome connie and ron good luck we're happy and thanks so much for listening and watching you take care and have a great weekend i mean you know one of the uh, classic examples show of uh, a very very common problem we hear all the time and you know it's a it's a shame so many times that you know guys that should know what they're doing but they you know like in that case i guess the installer saying that they didn't need to seal the grout was basically, I don't want to seal the grout is what, <laughs> you know, that probably yeah. means. And, and right. that's, a, that's a shame. So many times of people are very free with advice and you get what you pay for because it's uh, really, um, you know, so many times there's things just like the thing we talked about with the air conditioning guys out there saying, you know, you don't need a good filter, put a cheap filter in there right. yeah. or it's going to restrict the flow of things. That's a hundred percent wrong. And against everything uh, science tells you about the heating and cooling industry and systems and so forth. And that's unfortunate that a lot of tradesmen are just uh, not being truthful about some of the things. And if you don't, I mean, it's always, you hear it all the time. If you don't know the answer, don't say anything. Right. I mean, you know, say, <laughs> exactly. I don't know the answer or yeah. I'll find out or I can advise you. But if you don't know the, the the truth on it, just leave it alone. Right. And the problem with sealing grout and the reason a lot of contractors don't do it is because you can't seal the grout immediately after applying the grout. And that's usually the last step. The contractors come in, they lay the tile, they apply the grout, they clean the surface, they 
go home and they send you a bill. If they had to seal the grout, that would mean coming back, depending on what the grout manufacturer recommends, could be a day, it could be a week or two, to come back just to apply that grout, which is a pretty tedious process. They just don't want to do it. They want to be laying tile. So that's part of the reason. Yeah, exactly, Will. We'll shoot you straight here at Today's Homeowner. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you can keep that little throw rug from slipping and you hitting the ground. It's a lot simpler than you think. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio, the number one place for practical, realistic home improvement tips. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. You know, we always encourage you to reach out to us any question that you might have. Here's a good example of an email that we received asking us to clarify something and repeat something that we had on a few weeks ago. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. If you're driving down the road and you can't write something down and you hear something, never hesitate to pick up the phone and call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 800-946-4420. Or as this gentleman from Virginia Joe Wright wrote in on todayshomeowner.com slash ask. He said, in one of your radio shows, I think it was about two weeks ago, you were talking about how to keep a small scatter rug from sliding on the floor by spraying something on the back, letting it dry, and then it won't slip. Um, What was the product you uh, sprayed on the back of the rug? Wasn't actually sprayed there, but Joe, why don't you share with us this uh, great simple solution that I have used uh, a number of times on rugs, and it absolutely uh, works, but the cautionary thing there is you need to let it dry before you yeah, to, you yeah. do it. So t- tell us all about it, Joe. Yeah, otherwise the rug won't move at all. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the simple solution is really just flip the rug over, and we're talking about a relatively small, like a runner or area rug or what Joe called a scatter rug. I'm not sure I was familiar with that term, but a small rug, and then put a bead of clear silicone around the perimeter. And a very thin bead, what I did, if I remember correctly, I think I flattened it out a little bit with a putty knife. And as Danny mentioned, make sure it's completely dry. Because sometimes with silicone, it'll form a skin over the top of it. And when you press on it, it might actually feel pretty dry, but inside it's not. So if you flip that over too soon and step on it and any of the silicone the the silicone the uncured squeezes out you want to gluing it to the floor so obviously you want to avoid that but that that's the simple solution joe was uh, was referring to now they do actually make a spray there's a company called i think it's called fiber lock and hmm. lock is spelled l-o-k and they make a non-skid uh rubber backing i think it I don't know if it's the spray or you brush it on. Actually, no, I think you might brush this product on. But in any case, it, they do make non-skid backings for rugs that you can brush on. I assume it's basically like a some kind of rubber. Um, so you can check that out as well. And again, the company, I think it's called Fiber Lock, L-O-K. All right, great. There you go. And thanks so much for, um, you know, um, incur- again, encouraging you to give us a call or send us an email anytime. If you heard something, you don't have it all straight, uh, we'll get that information right to you. Here's another email from Pennsylvania. Um, Bert asks, my wife and I are going to have our master bathroom remodeled, including tiling the floor. We're interested in using tiles made from natural stone. So we went down to the tile store and saw some tumbled marble tile that we really liked. 
But then the salesperson showed us some porcelain tile that looks a lot like the tumbled marble. Is there a reason to choose one type of tile over the other? We want to make sure we get it right since we'll probably not be renovating this bathroom ever again. <laughs> Everybody so, says that. I'm not yeah. ever doing this again. That's yeah. right. So, so Joe, that um, fantastic tile book that you that you wrote that's available at Amazon.com right now, um, what, um, what would you say on something like this? A lot of times, you know, when you're looking at one or looking at the other, it just boils down to a personal preference. But right. do you have some pros and cons that you can share with Bert? This is actually a more complicated question than it might seem, but I'll, I'll narrow it down. And first of all, Bert said that the salesman, salesman showed him porcelain tile for the floor. I am assuming that was, oh no, porcelain is right, not ceramic, but porcelain. Because whenever you first thing I want to say is when you're buying tile for a floor, always make sure it's porcelain, not ceramic, because it's, you know, it's, it's much, it's designed for floors. It's much harder and more durable. There are several reasons um, why a porcelain tile that looks like stone would be better because it's harder and it's and it, it's more it doesn't have any imperfections a natural stone would just have natural imperfections but the reason you choose natural stone in my opinion is because it, nothing else looks like it as close as a porcelain stone, and by the way in this book and in my home i've installed tumbled marble in the downstairs bathroom natural marble and upstairs in the master bathroom i put in a porcelain that looks like um, that mimics, I shouldn't say it looks like, it mimics tumbled marble. Now, if you didn't know the difference, you looked at it, you might think it is, but when I go to each of those bathrooms, you know, there's nothing that compares to the beauty of natural stone. Um, so th that's basically, I would look at them both. Um, and if you, um, this is going to be professionally installed. They both get installed basically the same way. All stone tile has to be cut. Every single cut has to be made with a wet saw on a porcelain, glazed porcelain tile, you can use a manual tile cutter, but you still would need a wet saw for notching around corners, that kind of thing. So um, I guess, as you alluded to, Danny, I'd go with what you think looks best. Um, but again, for a natural stone floor, nothing quite looks like it. And it's a reason they've been using it for centuries. You know, it looks great and it wears pretty well. Well, you know, there's, um, you know, very intimidating situation when you go into a large tile store or even in yep. the aisles of Home Depot. Uh, if you hadn't been down that aisle lately, you might be surprised how many different tiles are available. And you might go in there and go, okay, I know exactly what I want. But uh, a lot of times it's hard to find exactly what you right. need. Hey, coming up, it is Simple Solution Time. You're going to want to hear this one. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. Wow, it's hard to believe that we're already at the end of the show here, or almost at the end of the show. It's uh, just amazing. Joe and I will start talking, and sometimes when we're together, we'll start talking about something, and our wives just roll their eyes and just walk away. It's like it's, well, my wife no... rolls her eyes when I'm talking to you or to her or anybody else. But, but yeah, especially when we get together. Yeah, I know. Well, it's so much I, fun, I, though. I told my wife the other day, said, you need to be careful. She goes, careful of what? I said, you're going to tear out one of your retinas by, by rolling your eyes like that. 
I mean, she can roll strange. them back so, so much that she can't even see the pupils. Come on, baby. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure she appreciated that bit of advice. <laughs> hey, it's time for our simple solution for this hour. Joe, what do you have for us, buddy? All right, Danny, here are four tips to keep in mind when using a portable electric air compressor. Many do-it-yourselfers have nail guns and sanders and, you know, air guns, all kinds of stuff. And, and I love my air compressor. I use it all the time. So here, here's the first of the four tips. Always wear safety goggles for protection when running an air compressor and using any tool, but especially a nail gun because this thing's firing nails. You never know where it's going to go. And also to reduce the noise level because, you know, the, the compressor itself, the motor, makes quite a bit of noise. So what I do is I put it in an adjacent room and close the door and just run the hose through the door because um, the air hoses are typically 20 feet long or so. So always, I usually put it in another room. Second, compressors vibrate quite a bit when running and they rattle around, so always set them on the floor on top of a folded blanket, or even better yet, what I use is I bought one of those quilted moving pads, and I fold it like Mm -hmm. three or four times so it's pretty thick and set it on top of it. Also, you want to periodically, because of all that vibration, you want to periodically check for any loose nuts, bolts, screws on the compressor itself, and then just tighten them up. If you did that, really, just once or twice a year. And finally, finally, the fourth one is compressed air, will often contain moisture that collects inside the tank, the compressor storage tank. And it's important to drain that tank after each and every use, because otherwise rust and corrosion can build up inside and cut the life of this compressor in half. And by the way, compressors, if you take care of them just with these few little tips, I've had them last 20, 30 years. They're still running. They're incredibly durable um, little devices. So anyway, and if you find on the almost every compressor, at least every compressor I've ever, ever owned, has a drainage valve on the bottom of the tank. What you want to do is open, on the end of the day, just open up that valve and let the compressor run just for 15 or 20 seconds. And the air pressure in the tank will blow out the mo- any moisture that's in the, in the tank itself. And the only thing I'll caution you about is don't do this over a rug or even on a oh, floor. Always, yeah. You know, always yeah. do it over, I usually just do it on top of the quilted moving pad. Because sometimes if it does blow out any rusty water, obviously you don't want to get that on a, on a rug. So there you go, four tips to keep that compressor running smoothly like I said, for many, many years. All right, another great simple solution from my buddy Joe Truini. You can see over 550 of them, um, video 60-second pieces at todayshomeowner.com slash simple solution. And while you're there, make sure you check out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show this weekend. We have a show that really turned out great called The Grand Bunk Room. And, you know, if you're a grandparent, you know how when the kids come over, how much fun you have with them. But sometimes uh, sleeping, getting uh, sleep. Sleeping accommodations for everybody can be a bit of a challenge. So we went in and we cleared out everything out of this room, built two sets of bunk beds, one on each side. And I don't know if you were that way when you were a kid. I always wanted bunk beds. I thought that was the coolest thing. And, oh, they're great. I remember yeah, they're I remember going to visit a friend of mine. Yeah. We had a sleepover when I was in elementary school and he had bunk beds. First yeah. time I ever saw them. I thought they were the best thing ever. Yeah. I know it. Climbing up the ladder and that yeah. kind of thing. So you need to check out this episode because we have a lot of things that you can use around your house, some painting tips and how we made some windows look a lot better than they did uh, when we got there. A lot of other tips and uh, even some um, individual reading lights that we installed. Um, Well, that wraps up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. Thank you so much for spending some of your busy weekend with Joe and I. I want to thank my co-host Joe Truini as well as our producer Jacob Scarborough and our fantastic engineer 
Corey Wilson, and from the whole Today's Homeowner family, thanks so much for being with us, and we hope you have a great weekend. See you next week.